Now pull out your message notes. I'm really excited about this series. See, I believe God has moved us into a new season as a church. Um, We step there spiritually before we ever get there physically. I don't know if you know that. God will allow you to grab something in the spirit realm. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So when you begin to have faith in a situation, what you're doing is you're taking dominion spiritually of something you've not manifested in the natural. Can I get an amen? You with me? And so I I feel the faith of God this year that we're going to acquire land and or a building. And uh, we felt that. The Lord has spoken that to us. Same way we had with the Dream Center. I don't have it. We don't, I haven't identified it. We still need some of the resources. But that's what I sense God is doing in this church. And I felt like the Lord said, I'm ready to bless your people, like, like, the, like his people, not mine, but God's people, in an unprecedented way, the, the church. And it's not just this church. I believe God's wanting to send an outpouring of blessing to the church at large. When, when, when God moves... There's a transfer of wealth. Look, the kingdom of God can't operate broke. I got three people that believe that. That's okay. I'm going to preach it in you. I'm telling you, have you ever tried to make a difference in someone's life and you can't even buy them dinner? Come on. How are you going to help someone when you can't buy groceries for a family? How are you going to help someone when you can't pay your own bills? God doesn't want us to live to try to survive for ourselves. God wants us to have more than enough so that we can then bless others. Of course, God wants us to enjoy the blessings, but it's not about the blessing. It's about the blessing blessing the world around us. And so when we understand God is moving us in position to be blessed... What we have to recognize is who he's trying to bless is his people that are the church. Because you can say, well, God wants to bless the church and not really apply that to yourself. You say, well, that's church is blessed. Well, can I tell you, you are the church. I am the church. If you're not blessed, this church will not be blessed. If God's people are not blessed, the people in the church at large will not be blessed. Come on, I can get an amen on that. And so this series has been this, on the inside, a positioning and a posturing of God's people to get in alignment for God's blessing. Like, just because he wants to bless us doesn't mean we're in alignment for his blessing. Like, to, to receive the blessing of God, how I many know you got to be in the posture of alignment to receive God's blessing? And so this series is really about us getting into that alignment. It's, we're going to talk about life. How it applies. Today is probably one of the most practical messages I have ever preached or shared on money. Um, And and then we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about wealth. We're going to talk about legacy. Legacy is in your life a point when you get to where it's no longer about me, but it's all about impacting the world. I am now focused on using my life, my time, my talent, my resources, and leveraging it to impact the world. That's how we live a legacy. And I don't know about you, I don't want to just be a consumer, I want to leave a legacy. And that's what God's called us to do. And really in this series, that's what I'm praying is that we would grab a hold of the word God's placing inside of us and then begin to apply it. And today we're going to talk about something that impacts most of us, it's debt. Uh, And we're going to talk specifically about the debt trap. Debt's become a major problem in America. And it doesn't matter if you're a believer, if you're a non-believer, most people have some level of debt in their life. In fact, according to statistics, the average American has $137,000 in debt. Now, to some of you, that's nothing. You make more than that each year, no big deal. You're like, yep, I'm managing my debt. Others, that's a fortune. But here's the challenge with that is that the median household income in America is only $59,000. So if the average person has 137,000, but my median income is 59,000, how many know there's a major problem in America? And it doesn't have to do with Christians and non-Christians, it's Americans in general. And so what we see is that people are struggling. And so I I don't want to pastor a church where we just talk about all the spiritual things, but don't talk about the natural things. Like, we're going to be blessed in the spirit realm. We're going to have faith. You know, we're going to talk about evangelism. We're going to talk about all the things. But how many know we need to talk about some practical things that impact our life in regards to money as well? I don't want to be a statistic with the rest of the world. The church ought to look different than the world. And so many people are struggling, but the challenge is this. They don't look like they're struggling. 
Well, what do you mean, pastor? Well, I mean, they got the brand new car. They got the nice house in the right neighborhood. They, they wear the fancy clothes and the shoes and the purses and the watches and all the. And so on the outside, you look amazing, but the problem is you're one paycheck away from financial ruin. And so everybody else says, I want to live the American dream, but God doesn't have us living the American dream. He wants us to live his biblical dream, which is to have wealth so that we can bless the world, not be in debt up to our eyeballs where we're drowning and can barely live. That's why so many people suffer with stress and oppression and depression because you're on this hamster wheel. The more you work, it's like the more you need and you spend and it's just you can't ever get off of it. Well, today we're going to get off of that through the word of God. Amen. I got some good news. God's got some answers for the problems that we face in our life. And I want to dive into Proverbs 22, 7 as we start off this morning. We got a lot of scriptures. I got a lot of points, a little bit more than I normally do, because I want you to take this and go study it throughout the week and begin to apply it into your life. So make sure you're taking some notes this morning. Proverbs 27, 2, this is Solomon talking. Now, he is the wisest and wealthiest man who has ever lived. So how many know when he's talking, we ought to listen? So let's look at what he says. He says, the rich rule over the poor. Rich. So those that have money, they rule over those that don't. And then look at what he says in this next statement. He says, the borrower is a slave to the lender. A borrower is a slave to the lender. So he gives us a picture of what debt does to the person who has the debt. It makes him a slave to the one that lent him the money. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a slave to anybody or anything. I don't, want, I don't want to be a slave, and if that's the case, then what's the opposite? It's to live in financial freedom. And all my financial planners, I got a big amen out of that. I know I, know I got Joey over here, and I got a bunch of financial planners in the house. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I want to live in financial freedom. I don't want to be in slavery. And honestly, it's a challenge for us, whether we're Christians or not, to live within our means and to make good financial decisions that have a great impact on our future. I, I, I've been there. I've made bad decisions. Has anybody ever made any bad financial decisions? Uh, okay, the rest of you are lying. I mean, come on, for real. How many have ever made any bad, like bad financial decisions? All right, who's got the two hands up? Who's got the whoop, whoop? That's me. Like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> Shoot, I'm in one right now. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, you know what I mean? You got the car that you can't afford. The house that you bought that you thought you could afford, but you just can't. You, you bought the, the purse and the, you're maxing out your credit cards. Maybe you went on that vacation that you deserved. But you, you deserved it, but you couldn't pay for it. Come on. You're like, I'm going to pay for that with my bonus that you never got. You know, it's just Black Friday came along and you deserve that brand new television. Them, those, those electronic, yeah, like you just, you've been working hard. Like I, I deserve it. You, you know what I'm talking about? Well, there's a problem with all the things that we go and leverage debt to get is it begins to put a chain and bondage in our life. It's kind of like, like, it'd be like this. So here's some chains. And really what we see many times, you know, he talks about you become a borrower. It becomes a servant to the lender. Uh, we, let me just give you a practical example. So you got a, a car that's paid off. We've, I mean, hopefully we've all been there uh, and, and you you're fine with it, but it starts to have problems. And it's not little problems. It's like now it's the transmission. I'm like, well, it's about 2,500 bucks to pay this car off that's worth about $10,000. Come on, somebody. You know, nobody give you any money for it. So, so you're thinking, well, what do I do? Well, you know, there comes a point where the maintenance, is it worth it? Do I go buy a brand new car where there's no maintenance, but I got a, a payment on it? And so you see this amazing deal online and it's like internet special. And so you go and you sign up to go look at it and it's awesome. And then you look at it and you realize, no, that ain't, that ain't so awesome. It looked better on the internet than in real life. But now you're at the car dealership and the guy's talking to you. You're like, no, that's, that's really within my price range. And he says, look, I got one for you. And it's not much more than that one. Come on. Well, how much is it? No, no, no. Just go test drive it. Come on, somebody. Anybody? anybody? You know, to just go test drive. Well, I don't think I can afford it. And your wife's like, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I don't know if I can do it. Go ahead, babe. No, okay, let's just go test drive it. And then you get back and he says, yeah, it's going to cost you this much. And you're looking at this chain because you didn't have to pick this chain up. 
right? It's, it's down here. I didn't have to pick it up. However, I do need a new car because my other car is breaking down. And at some point, I mean, it's not even worth it. So you say, well, how much is it going to be? And he says, well, it's going to be this much. And you think, well, I can manage that. No, I can't meet it. That, that's really not in my budget, you know. And he's, he's like, well, what's your budget? And you don't want to tell him your budget because, you know, that messes the whole negotiating. Come on, somebody. They don't, don't tell him how much money you got. So you, you're like, well, I don't know. And he says, well, but listen, we can finance it for 72 months now. Not 60, but 70. You're like, 72? That's like a house? No. He's like, yeah, yeah, but it'll be fine. You know the car ain't going to last you four or five years. You know, so you're like, but we can afford that. And so you say, okay, let's do it. So you go ahead and you get the car. You're like, man, it is awesome. I got this car. It's not going to break down. You got a little bit of bonding. It's not too much. Look, I can still manage it. I guess it ain't that much. And then you start to have some babies. Come on, somebody. And the house that was good is not, now it's not, nothing wrong with it because your babies ain't grown and you got a couple extra bedrooms, but you want the best for your babies. Come on, somebody. And you know they are building a brand new home just that, and it's a whole subdivision. And did you know who lives there? Like Susie Q lives there and their kids. Do you see how happy they are? If you see how happy they are, that's how happy we would be. And so you go, you're like, we really can't afford it, but I'll go look. And so you go look and you're like, no, I can't really afford it. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, we can get the interest even lower than that. And you're thinking, man, I just don't know if but you know what? My kids, they deserve the best. Come on, why? Because they are Kyle's. Ain't, no, no. Did you know they're building this HOA and all the swimming pool and the, the rec center? And it's like, what do you think, baby? She said, well, if I go get another job, you know, that house is going to be something we're going to be in for the rest of our lives. And if I get that second job, maybe we can do it. Come on, somebody. I know I look sexy. Come on. I'm bringing sexy back. But this is how some of y'all look in your debt. And then Black Friday comes, and you've been working hard. And now she got a job, you got a job, you're going crazy. It's like we owe ourselves vacation. Well, how are you going to pay for it? Baby, we just got a brand new, praise the Lord, it is an answer to prayer. We got a brand new credit card at 57% interest. But don't worry, because I'm going to get a bonus. And then that bonus, we're going to pay for this, and it'll be fine. Well, you don't get the bonus. You're living your life paying minimums, and this is what we walk around in church like, oh God, and someone says, well, I'm blessed. Why are you blessed? Because I got a new house, I got a new car, went on vacation, got, got some, well, I'm blessed. How many know this is not the blessing God wants us to live with? God wants us to be debt free, to get out of this bondage in our lives. He didn't call us to live like that. So the challenge with living like that is now you're not even living for yourself. You know who you're living for? Visa, MasterCard, Chase. All the different companies that you pay and owe, that's, that's who you're spinning your will for. Because I promise you, you stop making payments, they're going to come get everything that you have. And so you're on this cycle of debt that you cannot get out of. That's why we call it the debt trap. And so for us, what we've got to do is say, look, what is the reason for me to allow myself, look, you didn't have to pick the debt up, but we did. What is it? Look, Paul talks to Timothy, who's his spiritual son, and look at what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. This is what gets us into trouble. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, contentment is not a word that we're very familiar with in this culture, and we're going to go back to this because this is really the foundational part of it. It says, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. So what does that mean, Pastor? That means when you die, you cannot take a U-Haul behind your hearse and load it up and go to heaven. Everything you have is going to be left here. We're the only things going to heaven. And then whatever rewards you built because of the life you lived here, that's what will await you in heaven. He says, look, we can't take anything from this world. We, we can't take anything out of it. And he says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Sounds a lot like the debt trap. He says, look, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, that verse has been misquoted by so many people that just have a poverty mentality. He doesn't say money is the root of all evil. You got to hear that. He says the love of money. Look, God wants us to have money. He just doesn't want money to have us. 
So that's what we have to have the paradigm shift. Like if there's a spirit of poverty over your life, you'll read that wrong. You'll read like, well, it's, it's money. Money's bad. I just want to make it into heaven. Look, baby, look, when we go to heaven, we're going to be responsible for what God wanted us to do. And the things he wants us to do, we can't do broke. So we're going to get into heaven having failed the assignment. And so we can't say it's money. No, baby, we need money. We need resources. And God is going to bring them to people who understand kingdom principles, but we're not going to allow those things to capture our heart for us to fall in love with those things. And so some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. They pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, I find that verse very interesting. He didn't say someone pierced them. He said they pierced themselves. That they allowed the love of money, the pursuit of money to, to consume their life and to pierce themselves with many grief, with much grief. And, and so we go back to the beginning of it. What is the root of that? What would allow someone to walk down that path? And it really boils down to con contentment. Contentment, contentment. In our lives, it's, 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 it's a point in state where we are grateful for what God has given us. We are, we are thankful for what we have. We're grateful. See, see, I don't know if we realize this or not. Why would God bless us with more when we're not grateful for what we have? Have you ever given your child something and you were excited about it? You're like, man, this is going to be awesome. And you give it to them and they're like, that's all? Like, what? You, and you're like... Oh, you're a spoiled brat. Oh, you just come. Oh, hold, hold, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Your daddy didn't have none of that. I'll just take it on back. And me and your mama will go and sell it and go do something. I mean, I mean, how many want to bless a child that is ungrateful? No, no. Well, think about God in the same way. We're asking God, we want this, and God help us with that. Well, when's the last time we asked God or told God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the health in my body. I thank you for the car that I drive. It may not be what I want, but it's what I need. I thank you for my house. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my clothes. Look, you're not homeless, are you? We got a lot to be thankful. That's first world problems, wanting more. And so what we got to say is, God, I choose to be grateful for what you've given me. And, and the reason we fall into this trap is really capitalistic society. We are bombarded by advertisers. You know, people that, have you ever been watching late night TV and they tell you what you need? You're like, dang, I didn't even know I needed that. But now for four easy payments and $99.99, I can have that too. And not just one, but I get two. See, baby, I'll get one, you get one. I mean, it's this consumer, like, we're, they're all about getting you to realize what you need to make your life better. But the truth is, you don't need anything to make your life better. God gives us what we need. I mean, think about it. I, I got an iPhone X. Uh, I think it was last year, and it's, it's so interesting. You know, I'm excited. It's got great camera and features and all that. You know, of course, my other iPhone was just so old. I mean, just so antiquated, and I had to do it. And, and it was interesting. You ever bought something like that? And then why in the world would they do it three months later? Like the XR came out three months later, and everybody's buying it. And it's like, well, look, they bought that. And, and do I need it? Yeah. Absolutely, I need it. And how much? Twelve hundred. Hundred. I mean, what happened with the flip phone that was forty nine ninety nine? Come on, twelve hundred dollars. Oh, but that's okay because you can make five thousand easy payments of just four ninety nine a month. I mean, right? You ain't even got to pay for it. They just tack it onto your bill, and you just owe free upgrade. Ain't no free upgrade, baby. They locking you into a debt. Why? Because you're comparing with others. What do other people have? That's what I want. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. I'm comparing like, like, hey, did you see their new car? Like, have you seen like what we're driving? We, we kind of need a new car. Have you, have you seen their new house? They moved into that brand new neighborhood. Have you seen her clothes or her shoes? And what we got to do is say, God, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to walk in contentment in my life. And look, if we find ourselves in this debt trap, if we find ourselves constantly making poor decisions, what I want us to recognize is we may be those who have fallen in love with money. And someone would say, no, pastor, you know, I, I don't love money. Like, I mean, you know, I feel like, no, no. What you're doing when we allow ourselves to walk into that is we're allowing money to purchase what God should only give us. So if I want happiness, I can get it through this new iPhone. 
if I want to build a happy family, I can buy it through this house. No, 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 baby. Happiness comes from God and it's called joy. And that comes from being in his presence. Ain't no house will ever build a home. Only God builds homes. That new car will make me feel so good. No, baby, God gives you identity, and he's the one that gives you the quality of your life. So do you see, it's almost, you're, you're, you've been lulled to sleep, and we're pursuing the love of money because we're going to let those things replace what God should be filling in our hearts. So we got to be real careful because we could breeze over that and say, that's not me, that's not me. Well, maybe we ought to ask ourselves and ask God. I want to give us a couple of symptoms this morning if we're falling into the debt trap. What are some symptoms? Am I falling into this debt trap? The first one is I'm living on credit instead of paying cash. Living on credit. Told you it's going to be super practical this morning. So are credit cards a normal function of your life? Like are you buying groceries on your credit card? Are you buying gas on your credit card? Are you, are you looking with your credit cards to buy prescriptions and clothes? And when you begin to use your credit cards to buy the necessities of life, you just got to be aware that you're in danger of falling into the debt trap. I mean, we've all done it, right? Even if you're using points. I mean, got American Express, I love points. But how many have ever said, I'm going to pay that off? And then 30 days later, something happened. You're like, whoops, can't pay that one off. And then that 1,000 turns to 2,000, and now you got this debt that's looming over you. You just got to be careful. We're not to be living on credit. We're to be living on cash. Do you know the average American spends 133% of their income? For every dollar that we receive, on average, Americans spend $1.33. We are hyper-consuming. We are living on credit. And here's the problem. You can come to church, put on your smile, say, praise Jesus, and go home and be drowning in your debt. We've got to say, God, it's got to stop. In fact, it was interesting, uh, Lending Tree did a commercial a long time ago, and it talked a little bit about this because it's, you can look good to everybody else, and nobody knows, but I wonder if this commercial shows us how we really feel. Check it out. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. And that was lending tree. Like, they're going to help me. They're going to lend me more money to help me out of my debt. We can't live on credit. We've got to pay cash. Proverbs 3.27. Look at what it says. Don't withhold payment of your debts. Don't say it some other time if you can pay now. Why is Solomon saying this? Because he wants you to live in financial freedom. He, he doesn't want you to live your life in those chains that most people find themselves living life in. Second symptom of this debt trap is paying the minimums. When you find yourself simply paying the minimums on the principle of the debt that you owe, you may be in the debt trap. Did you know that paying minimums will almost, it takes forever for you to pay off the debt that you owe? In fact, if you would have bought a $2,000 TV at Black Friday, which happened all across America, the brand new, state-of-the-art, top-of-the-line, biggest, greatest, best TV, $2,000, but you didn't have the money, but it was Black Friday, so you're going to buy it anyway. Why not put it on a card and then just pay it off, right? Such a great deal. And nobody laughed. How many of you guys are like, I did that? Listen, if you pay the minimum on that purchase on a credit card, it would take you 17 years to pay off that television that you bought that was such a great deal, and it would cost you $2,500 in interest, more than double the value of what you paid for that TV, and it would be 17 years later. Come on, who do you think's winning in this debt trap? You winning or is the bank? Banks are winning. They want you to just pay the minimum. They want you to just simply pay the minimum and push the debt to another day so that they can continue to make a fortune, fortune on the backs of people that are going broke. Look at what Romans 13, 8 says. It says, let no debt remain outstanding. So do what you can to pay off debt. Now, I do want to give you a caveat. You know, I'm an investor. I've got money in stocks and different things. I'm not saying all debt is bad, but you buy real estate. I mean, no, that's great. Buy real estate as an investment and awesome. But I mean, no, you need to pay the real estate off. 
Don't keep borrowing money against the property that you bought to make money off of. A house is good debt. You know, I'm not saying if you could pay cash, pay cash. But let's get our houses paid off in 10 years, not 30 years. Come on, let's get them paid off in 15 years, not, not 30. Why? Because you're building wealth as a Christian and as a believer. Can you imagine what you could do if you didn't have that two, three, $4,000 house payment every month? Imagine the impact that you could make in the people's lives that you could change. So we've got to just have a different mentality that I'm working to pay cash on the things that I can pay cash for and then quickly pay off the ones that are good debt for us. Third symptom is this, you're unable to tithe. You're just simply unable to tithe. Now, you want to put God first. And I find Christians in this place, they want to put God first in their, their tithes and in the, what they give to God, but they just simply can't. The numbers don't add up. They feel strapped. What I've realized, people aren't stingy. They're just broke. Come on. See, I, I know pastors, they can get, you get people, how are you just stingy? No, no, they're just broke. You, you can't, how, how do you give when you've got nothing to give? And so, we understand that, but here's the problem. I, I, you just have to understand the problem and why the debt trap is so dangerous is because first, when you don't give the first and the best to God, the tithe, you're actually robbing from God what belongs to God. So the enemy has allowed me to get in this cycle so that I rob from the enemy that is his enemy. And then for us, look, look at what it says right here. It says in uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, it says, will a man rob God so that God's people are robbing him and and they're like what do you mean we're, we're robbing you and if you read in the earlier verses it says yet you are robbing me you ask me how do we do it in tithes and in offerings so they're showing up they're God's people they're doing all the right things but they're not giving back to God what belongs to God they're robbing God the second problem with being in that situation is you are robbing God from blessing you so not only is it robbing God of what belongs to him you think God needs your money Anybody, does anybody think that, that heaven is in some financial crisis, that there is an economy that is about to break down and God's just like, won't you help me, please? No, no, how, how many think he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He, he don't need your money, but he did set up a system that demanded we live on faith and honor him with the best and the first. But he didn't do it because he's trying to get something from us. He did it because he's trying to get something to you. So if you understand that, because if you stand or come here this morning, and you're like, well, God just always wants something from me. Just do this and do this. No, no, he's a loving God. No, he's a, it says he loved, he first, we love him because he first loved us. Yeah, there are some things that we change in our life, but if you do it just because you have to, it won't stay. That's religion. Religion is based on works. Religion says, I got to so that I can get to. I go to heaven. No, 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 no. No, we go to heaven because we're saved by grace through faith. You can't do anything except put your trust in Christ to save you. You're saved. It's sealed. Now, when I live for him, do you know why I tithe? It's not because I got to. It's because he saved my soul from hell. I was dying. I was going to hell. The least I could do is give him ownership of my life and the things I possess and what I have. And the only thing he asks you, he doesn't ask you for everything. He asks you for the first 10%. But it's because he wants to bless you. Look at what it says, in, he goes on in verse nine. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me in this. So it's the only place in the Bible where God puts a test. He's like, look, test me. See if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour, out you, pour a blessing out for you that you can't contain is what another version says, but this says without measure. How many want God to bless your life? See, God doesn't want anything for you he, or from you. He wants something for you. Like, look, he wants to bless your life. And that's what the debt trap does. It keeps you from walking in the blessing of God. The third, fourth symptom is that you're unable to save. So these are symptoms. I'm unable to save. So we as Americans have lost the will to save. See, tithing is important and it's the foundation, but saving is important as well. We've got to make sure that we're following biblical principles. Look at Proverbs 21, 20. It says, the wise man... Saves. Saves for what? Why would I save? For the future. But a foolish man spends everything he gets. So think about this. We could be sitting in church right now and look, there's no condemnation, but there may be conviction. Are we wise or are we foolish? 
Like what, how, how, because he clearly draws a line, the wise will save, but the foolish is going to spend everything that you have. Look, just as a general rule of thumb, and I'm just going to tell you a couple of things. You need to have $1,000 in an emergency fund, everybody. So if you don't have $1,000 in a quick cash account where you can get to quickly or somewhere where you get that cash, you need to build that up. Dave Ramsey teaches great principles on how to make sure you're in a good posture and position for saving and setting yourself up for the future. But after you build your $1,000 emergency fund, you need to have at least three months of expenses in another savings account in case you come into a rainy day. So if you make $10,000 a month, you need at least 30000 in a savings account. That's just basic. That doesn't even get into retirement and investments. So do you see how it's like, wow, if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, wow, I'm not even, like, like wisdom says I've got to save. Why? Because a rainy day is coming. Oh, pastor, that's not real positive. No, I'm positive a rainy day is coming. So the question is, will you have the resources to handle it or will you have to go back and pick up some chains? God, I want you picking up change. And then here's where it gets even better than that. When you start to invest, now God brings wealth into your life because you're building a campus and he puts it on your heart. I'm gonna give to the heart for the house uh, one day offering. Well, how can you do it? Because I got money in the bank. Come on, somebody. I don't need you to give heart to the house on a credit card. Please. Like, no, don't do that. Unless it's a debit card. <laughs> But you see, but, but when God speaks to us, if you're broke, you can't even do what the Lord speaks to us. You're unable to save. So we got to make sure that we're not falling into those traps. Now, I want to give you a couple of ways to break out of the debt trap. A couple of ways. First one, you got to make a commitment to change. Just like anything in life, you got to commit, make a, a, a resolve, like a quality decision I am going to change the way I manage my money. I'm going to change the way I have done things from the past. I mean, it's like any commitment. How many made commitments to work out at the beginning of the year? <laughs> How many thought about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so maybe you started changing your diet. Like the way it takes that, like how many know when you change your diet, you got to go throw all the junk out. If you think you're going to go on a diet and keep the chocolate and the candy and all the, the, the fattening foods in there and the things that you shouldn't eat, that's not going to happen. How many know you got to go wipe it out? You got to get it out of reach and you got to make sure that I'm making a quality decision. Some of you need to cut up your credit cards. Some of you need to have some accountability in your life and say, look, from this moment on, I'm building wealth. Why? Because God has called you to change the trajectory of your family. Doesn't matter what your past was. Doesn't matter what your mom and daddy did. It matters what you do. And what you do right now would determine what kind of foundation your kids build on. Got to make a quality commitment. You got to know where your money's going. Look at what it says in Proverbs 27, 23. Riches can disappear fast. How many got your income tax refund and it's already gone? You're like, good Lord, it's already gone. It's already gone. Riches disappear fast and the king's crown doesn't stay in his family forever. So watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and your herds. So what, you got to know what you own. You got to know what you owe. You got to know what you earn and you got to know where it all goes. I mean, you've got to know what's happening in your life. How can you change something when you don't know? I, I talk to couples all the time, and they don't have a system where they're tracking where they spend money. Well, I think we spend this and that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Track where you spend it so then we can plan where to spend it in the future. So you got to know where it goes. And that's really part of the second thing. you got to build a spending plan. That's what a budget's all about. Listen, and, and I just want to say this as your pastor. And even as a man, listen, men, listen, we can't just delegate this to our wives. Like, like at some point, and I get it, and I don't want anybody to feel like I'm stepping on your toes, but at some point, we have to take responsibility and say, look, I'm going to be in here with you through this. And I get it. Usually, there's, it's either the husband or the wife that does the finances, but whoever it is, it takes two people to make a budget, and it takes two people to keep a budget. And if we're not in agreement, let me tell you, this thing ain't going to work. And so we've got to say, we're going to plan where the spending goes, and we're not just going to let it slip through our fingers. You'd be amazed at how much money you're going to make in your lifetime, but the more amazing thing is how much of that will slip through your fingers if we're not planning 
to invest it in the right way. And budgets are exciting and budgets are painful. Come on. Because budgets restrict you in one way. They say you got to spend your money here and don't spend it there. And look, some of you, that may mean no more $4 lattes from Starbucks. I'm meddling now. I know somebody's like, you messing with my Starbucks. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not messing with your Starbucks. No, no, no. Go get you some Maxwell House. Oh, but it ain't quality like Starbucks. Baby, you don't even like Starbucks. It's status. But you'll never have that real status until you discipline yourself for this status. And that means I got to say no because I'll be the one owning Starbucks. You know what I mean? I mean, just you're going to have to get the H-E-B brand. Look. Look, you just, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You can't go out to eat every single night. I know, you, you know, it, it's easy. It's, no, 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 but you're building wealth. You're building a plan. You're saying, no, 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 no. God, I'm going to do it through your kingdom. And I'm not saying never, ever, but a budget says in this season, at this moment, I've got to do it right because I'm trying to build something greater than what this moment provides. Can't get the new iPhone sometimes. Listen, can't get the new house at this moment. Not saying never, ever. Wouldn't it be better for you to make more than enough to get the house you want instead of just barely enough? I mean, have it been there? I mean, I, we were there. We bought our first house. I mean, it stretched us. All of our fights at the beginning were about money. Why? Because we were feeling stretched. Where well, am I making enough? Are you making enough? What are we doing? And it, but wouldn't it be great to walk into that house and have margin? Like, oh, baby, we could miss a year and we still got money in the bank. Baby, we, that thing is almost half paid off. It's going to be all paid off in 10 years. Like, like that's the way we want to begin to look at how we live our lives, but it only happens with a plan. Look, the pain of discipline is far less than the pain of regret. That's what we got to realize as we do this. We got to say, look, I'm going to discipline myself and not get engaged in destructive behaviors in my life. Someone asked John D. Rockefeller, how he gained his wealth. And if you don't know who that is, he would be the Bill Gates of his day, just incredibly wealthy. And he, he didn't have just this amazing response of wisdom that people would say, oh my God, that's, I don't know how you came up with that. He just had a practical response of wisdom. He said, I follow what's called the 10-10-80 principle. 10-10-80 principle. If you hadn't written that down, you need to make sure and write that down. 10-10-80 principle. I'm going to show it to you. I got some money right here. It's 100 bucks. Don't worry. I'm not calling you up and I'm not giving anybody money. Somebody's like, Woo! I'll come in. Just no, no, no. It's my money. I pulled it out. It's mine. And I'm keeping it. <laughs> so just thank you. Thank you. I worked hard for this. $100. So it's, it's $100. And, and really, you know, we're looking at percentages. These, these tens will represent the percentage. Uh, what, what he said was this, and it's just so simple and practical. He said, this is what built my wealth in my lifetime. He said, I followed it. The first 10% always goes to God. It's tithes. Always goes to God. Second 10% savings. That's always going to be a savings. Like we're going we're to invest it. It's going to be something that I pay myself. So we're going to pay God. We're going to pay ourselves. And then he said, what I did was with the rest of the money, the 80%, $80 right here, I'm going to pay my bills. So that's what I'm going to use to go out to eat. I'm going to pay my mortgage, my electricity, my car, whatever, whatever it is, all my expenses will fit within this 80. And as I did that, my wealth began to multiply. So here's the problem so many times. We live by this principle, kind of. It's like 80%. You're like, you try to stay within your budget. You, this is what we do. We, we pay all of our bills and we want to put money in savings or retirement. Maybe you automatically do. And that's the beauty of the auto deduct out of your payroll. Come on, somebody. It's like, just go ahead and take it. Don't even let me see it. Because if I see it, I'm going to spend it. So it comes out automatically. And you say, God, I want to give you tithes. But I got to pay my mortgage. So here's the challenge with that. You have given the thing that God wanted to bless, use to bless your life to a company that cannot bless you. Can I tell you, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Chase, all the different places you owe money do not have the power to bless your life. There's only one place, the true and living God that has the power to bless. And when you put it first and say, God, I don't even care how the rest of this shakes out. The first portion goes to you. I'm asking you to bless it. You'll be surprised how God will multiply and then everything else falls into line. You gotta get the first principle 
first. See, the challenge in so many Christians' lives is this. We want the God a blessing, but we don't want to do it the way he wants it. Like, God, I want you to bless me, do it, do it, but we're not doing it the way he created the system. And that's why you've got to get the mentality, he's trying to get something from you. No, no, baby, he's trying to get something to you. 10, 10, 80 principle. Look at what Luke 16, 1 says. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling wealth, worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? So here's what you have to understand. Wealth is not even the goal. That's just the baseline. Money I mean, no, true riches are creative ideas, witty inventions, relationships, anointing, like the, the, the wisdom from God, the strategy from heaven. Those are the things. Look, all the business owners in here, you know what I'm talking about. Look, the problem, and this is what Pastor Willie's going to talk about next weekend and then for the Building Wealth Seminar. And the reason we did the Building Wealth Seminar is because I felt like God said we're in a season of preparation and it's free. You can't even pay for it. If you wanted to pay for it, you can't pay for it. We've already paid for it. Your giving has paid for it. It's absolutely free next Monday night. The only thing you have to do is register, and it'll be at the Dream Center campus. But, but it's amazing because one of the things he's going to talk about is the currency of wealth is not even money. Businessmen, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it is? It's ideas. It's relationships. God, so we say, God, help me. Bring money, I need this, and God gives you an idea, but you don't recognize that's the key to the wealth God's bringing to unlock this area of your life. And so we let the idea go, and we're asking for God to send money in the mail. Oh, God, would somebody just bless me? No, 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 that's a beggar's mentality. That's not a king's mentality. Kings say, look, I'm looking for ideas, strategy, anointing, wisdom, and that's what we're looking for in our lives. That's Anyway, that, that'll be over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. Listen, the third thing that we've got to do to break is we've got to save and invest for the future. Uh, did you know, on average, in Japan, the Japanese families save 20% of their income? That in Europe, European families save 18% of their income? And in America, we don't even save. We spend 1% more than we earn. So, that, I mean, just think about the mentality. We, that's why we find ourselves in this debt trap. Look at Proverbs 6. 6 through 8, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. What does it mean? It stores more than it needs for the moment. It puts it aside. It saves it. And uh, we need to make sure that we're doing that. You've already heard a little bit about that, and so I'm not going to go into it anymore. But I do want you to know this. For those of you that have been following these principles, and I know there's a lot of you, what you have to be careful of is that savings account and that investment account and all the things that you've leveraged your resources to build wealth with, they cannot become your source. God has to remain your source. Doesn't matter what the economy does. Doesn't matter how the stock market does. God, you're my source. Doesn't matter how big my finance account gets. God, you're my source. Why? Because then when God says, and at times he'll say, give it away. I want you to do this. It's like, okay, it's not mine. It's yours. My trust is not in wealth. It's in the God that provides provides wealth. Can I get an amen? amen? And then I love what Proverbs 13, 22, we're getting ready to close. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. How many would like to leave an inheritance for his children? Children. How many think, because you, re you read that, you're like, what's your children? No, no, no. He says, you're so wealthy, like a good man is going to leave it, not just for my kids, but I'm going to leave it for my kids' kids. Like, they're going to feel the impact of the choices that I made right now today in this day in service. And it's going to go on from generation to generation. The sad thing is this, and I've done a lot of funerals and seen a lot of people and helped them cross over to the other side with their families. The sad thing is we don't leave inheritance. We leave a pile of debt. So it's a choice that we make, and it begins today. Look, no matter where you're at, you just have to choose from this moment on, I'm no longer going to do it. And then here's the last thing to break the debt trap, and it's what we've got to do is put God first. I said a little bit earlier, I want to give you another verse. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, look, you see the, the thing he's asking us to do, but then he's also revealing the promise. Look, obedience postures me for his blessing. You see? So because if, you're, if you have a poverty mentality, you go back to God, you just want something from me. No, no, no. Obedience postures me for his blessing. Like, God, look, I'm going to give you first. And this looks, your barns are going to be filled. They're going to be filled to overflowing. So we got to break the mentality. See, it's easy for us to come to church and say, God, I want you to be in the middle of my family. Well, simply put God first in your family. 
God, I want you to be in the middle of my marriage. Great, pray with your spouse. Put God first in your marriage. God, I want you to be first in my job. You know, I, all, all the people I deal with, great, put God first in your job. But when it comes to money, sometimes we just hesitate. God, I want you to be first, but I don't want to do it your way. So we've got to put him first. Got to make sure that, God, I'm putting you first. And, and I get it. I have people tell me, Pastor, I don't make enough to tithe, to put God first. And I hear that from people. And the people I hear that from are non-tithers. Guess what I don't hear from tithers? That statement. Why? Because you don't make enough not to tithe. That when you begin to tithe, you begin to see God does. See, you think your job is your source. God is your source. When you begin to tithe, it's amazing. Something will happen here that will save you money there. And you didn't going to stretch, wasn't going to stretch. But something happens here in the money. And then not only do I have enough to pay, it's like, man, I got a little bit of money left over. There's some breathing room. It's the lie of the enemy. Why? Because he wants you to stay in the debt trap. And as long as the debt trap keeps you from operating in God's system, you will forever be in slavery. Oh, I know you're not going to walk around with chains, but you'll have financial slavery. For the rest of our lives, what we've got to do is we've got to say, God, I choose to not operate in that system that the world is trying to lock me in. And look, I, I just, you got to know, God doesn't want you to be poor. God doesn't want you to be broke. Now, I'm, not all, I'm also, just hear me clearly, I'm not saying God wants every Christian to drive a Bentley. I don't think God wants every Christian to make it rain. Come on, somebody, all my teenagers, you know. No, no, no. The, <laughs> No, no, no. Now, I'm not telling you there aren't rich people that are Christians that live in that world, but that's their world. A Bentley is chump change. The thing you got to leverage is say, God, what am I responsible for? And I'm going to live my life in a blessed way so that I can be, check it out, a blessing to others. Because that's what I believe the blessing of God comes to our life for. Yes, God wants us to be blessed. But I want you to know this. We serve a God who loves his children. He is a daddy. He is a father, and we have been saved. So he loves us, and he embraces us, but you got to know we've got a community full of prodigals that our father's heart breaks for. He is desperate to find a church that would operate in his biblical principles that he could trust with more so that we could see lives changed. Don't ever forget, look, look, I love it. This is about you, you're here, it's awesome. But I also want you to know on the other side of that coin, this ain't about you. This is about your family. This is about your friends, this is about your coworkers. This is about those that God puts in our lives that are dying and going to hell. And we have been called to reach them, but we can't do it broke. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you more than enough. And I believe supernaturally this morning, God's word has fallen on your hearts. And some of you, it's like the light bulb just went off. Now, here's the key. You've got to move forward in faith. You've got to begin to take steps. I want to encourage you. Go find a financial planner. I have one. Our church has one. Like you, you got to have someone to help you, especially if you've never done it before. Just begin to read books and begin to do the principles that I said. And let's see what God would do in this church and in your life and in this community. Amen, everybody? Amen. Let me pray over us. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for your word that has come into our hearts to set us free. God, I don't think I've ever been more expecting of a series of just your truth penetrating our hearts setting us free from some ignorance some just bad decisions Lord I just whatever it is maybe we didn't know or we knew and we just didn't do the right thing God we're asking you forgive us for the love of money we didn't even know it was the love of money. We didn't realize we were buying those things to satisfy the void in our hearts. We didn't realize we were putting things on the throne of our heart instead of you. And God, I'm asking now for you to forgive and cleanse and wash away all those mistakes. And Father, I pray a resolve would go inside of our hearts that from this moment on, we're gonna make a quality decision we're going to get accountability. We're going to take steps. We're going to move our life forward in a way 
that will allow you to trust us with the resources you want us to be trusted with. And God, we thank you for that. I thank you that there is a community and a world that is dying and in need of you. And you've raised up a church, God, not the only church, but a church that will choose to stand in the gap and to live our lives and leverage them to reach the world around us. Father, we thank you for this. Lord, I pray right now for those that are in financial duress, someone in this place right now, you are literally on the verge of bankruptcy. I don't know who you are, but God does. God, I'm asking you right now to remove the fear and the anxiety. You hadn't even been able to sleep well. God, right now in this moment, through repentance, let there be a shifting, a changing. You, you, you got some things out of whack and out of alignment, and it's okay, it's okay. You're in this place right now because God's about to reshape your destiny. The path has just changed right now. I sense that. I feel that. Even tonight, you're going to sleep differently. You're going to feel different. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Now, look, there are some of you in here this morning, and we talked about Jesus being first in your life, being your Lord and your Savior. And the truth is you've never surrendered your life to him. You've never confessed him as your Lord and as your Savior. In this moment right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's a safe place for you right now. The power of the Holy Spirit is working on you. But it's an opportunity for you to surrender everything to him. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. It's not about your good works. It's not about whether you've done the right thing or the wrong thing. Look, we've all sinned. It's about receiving his salvation by grace through faith. He did the work on the cross, not us. There's nothing else you could do. If you have to add to it, that's religion. Religion kills. So what does it mean? It's a gift. What do I do, pastor? You, you confess him in this moment. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. You just confess, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. And we're going to walk through it. And I believe right now the greatest miracle is going to take place in your heart. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We count of three. If that's you, right now you're ready to surrender your life fully to him. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. I'm not going to tell you to stand up or come down. Just the act of surrender, raise your hand right now. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Come on, all over this place. Jesus, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church, tell them how proud you are of them. Come on. Now let's, let's pray this prayer of surrender together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you everything. I surrender it all to you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, worship God this morning.